It is great to be here with you all this morning for worship. My name is John McHale, and I serve as one of the pastors at Mosaic Church, and it really is one of the great joys of my life to pastor here. I love this church, and I love worshiping with you um, in this new space. We're going to continue in a series in life together. Um, Every January, we take an intentional time to focus on our mission and vision that really function as targets for us as we think about what is God calling us in ministry? What is God calling us? The types of lives, the types of groups, the types of families to cultivate. What is, how does this help us? Uh, Our vision and mission gives us targets in where to aim. And um, we're continuing in this life, Life Together series, which really is fruit of an evaluation we did last semester. Last semester, we gave a lot of time to evaluating our groups at Mosaic. We talked with leaders from other churches. We sent out surveys. We had focus groups. We had conversation at conversation because we wanted to learn how could we develop our groups at Mosaic to be a meaningful contribution to life together. We wanted to grow. We wanted to develop, and we wanted just to to really hear about people's experience at Mosaic. Our mission is that we exist to cultivate life in Christ, life together, and life on mission. And there's two words that I want to draw out, life and cultivate. Life is repeated three times, and that's because we believe that the life of a disciple is an all-of-life thing, that we're trying as disciples of Jesus to orient our whole lives around his teaching and what he has provided in his death and resurrection. The way that we do our jobs, the way that we interact with our neighbors, the way that we talk to one another is all shaped and influenced by the ministry of Jesus. But this word cultivation is also helpful because it has this idea of of getting in the dirt and getting sweaty and digging to till the soil up so that you can plant something and then you nurture it, you weed, and you prune. There's hard work involved. Now, each of these categories has truths that Jesus has established. He has given us a new identity, life in Christ. He has created a new family, the church, life together. He has sent us as ambassadors for Christ. He's, he's, he's established it. This is not what we're cultivating. What we're cultivating is the spiritual experience of these things with a lifestyle of obedience and faith. And this is the question that we're asking in this series is how do we cultivate life together at Mosaic Church? And at the end of this series, we're going to be launching, the end of this series, next week, we're going to be launching a new type of group at Mosaic called D-Groups. A D-Group is a group, a community of five to six men, five to six women, seeking to come alongside one another for prayer, accountability, and discipleship. Groups at Mosaic, they've been challenging. They've been hard. We've experienced a global pandemic. We're a church plant with lots of kids, and it's been challenging, and we see that. That's why we gave time to evaluate groups. But we're committed We're committed to developing groups at Mosaic to be a meaningful contribution to cultivating life together. And that's why we're we're establishing this new type of group 
at Mosaic. We'll continue to have gospel communities, but then we'll also have D groups. And the D group is a smaller group of men or women really coming alongside one another to build a brotherhood, build a sisterhood for accountability, for learning, and for growth in the word. A gospel community is different because a gospel community is bigger. It's made up of about 12 to 15 adults and all the kids that come with those adults. And it's really giving and and trying to cultivate a family of disciple makers on mission. So it's a larger group that's trying to do a whole lot more and trying to direct that community on mission. A D group is built into, um, is building into uh, people of the same gender for the sake of prayer, accountability, and discipleship. And as we launch D groups, we're going to be using a resource. This is the Seeing Jesus Together journal, and it's fantastic. What it's trying to do is synthesize a, a disciple's interaction with the Word in personal devotion, in community, and on Sunday. And uh, they have three ribbon book, bookmarks. Fantastic. It's great. Um, but as you dig into it, it's, it's, got, it's got directions. Here's what you do when you gather with your community. You connect with one another. You listen to the scriptures with one another. You love one another. And here's questions you can ask to do that, to draw out a person's heart. And so this resource will be given to our D groups as a, a guide, a map. And it will be an opportunity for us to cultivate life together in this new type of group. And so next week, we'll be launching these. And if you want to get into a D group, you'll be able to sign up and we'll organize D groups. Um, But also, you can organize yourself. Um, What we would ask is just a contact person. We're not, there's no leader for a D group. It's really peers coming together to love and serve one another and build one another up in Jesus. But we want to have kind of open communication uh, for our D groups. So the series, we're, we're asking this question, how do we cultivate life together? Everybody wants life together, but how do we give ourselves to the cultivation, to getting down in the mud and digging and sweating? And I, when I garden, I, I, I don't like to use gloves, so like my hands get real dirty and all scuzzy because I like to feel the earth. So it's like, it's hard work, the cultivation but it's worth fighting for. And last week we looked at, in Acts 2, that cultivating life together starts with one disciple committing to a lifestyle of devotion, devotion to the word and devotion to one another. And this is something that we want to invite everyone at Mosaic into. And this morning, I want to look at another passage, Galatians 6, and this passage is from a collection of passages known as the one another's of Scripture. It's what the New Testament teaches and commands God's people in how they are to relate to one another. So you can turn to Galatians 6. A little bit about Galatians. This is a letter that Paul wrote to many churches in a region, and he's feisty in the letter. He's angry. He's brokenhearted because a group of people known as the Judaizers had come into these churches and were teaching a different gospel. They were teaching that 
Christians, Gentile Christians, if they wanted to be welcomed into the church and, and welcomed into faith in Christ, they had to adhere also to the law. They had to do different things and faith, and, and then they would be accepted. And Paul confronts this and teaches that sinners are justified by faith alone, not works of the law. And he argues that this is not a replacement of the law, it's a fulfillment of the law. And as he ends his letter, he teaches what this true gospel creates in a church community, a community marked by the ministry of the Spirit and the ministry of bearing one another's burdens. So let's read Galatians 6, verses 1 to 5. And at the end of it, I'll say, this is the word of the Lord, and I'll invite you to say, thanks be to God. And every week, this is something that we do to confirm together with our voices that God has not left Mosaic Church in silence. He's given us his word. So, starting in verse 1, Galatians 6. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. This is the word of the Lord. Father, we do pause and ask for your blessing. As we look to your word, we need your help. Would you Grant us the person and work of your spirit freshly that you would open up our minds to the wisdom that you have provided in Galatians 6 and give us a tenderness and a sensitivity to be a people that are gladly moving towards obedience and faith. And we trust you to do that and we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So if you've been following Jesus for any amount of time, you've been around the church for a season, you know, probably have had this experience. You're meeting with someone. Maybe you're sharing a meal with them, or you're meeting over a cup of coffee to pray for one another, or just hanging out. But there's this experience that happens when you get to someone and they give voice to a burden. They give voice to a struggle. They share something that kind of all the heads turn and go, whoa. Sometimes we say dumping, they dumped their truck. And everyone in that environment is asking the same question. What do I do? How, how do I respond to this person with the love of Jesus? Well, the Bible is going to help us with this question. And this passage, Galatians 6, guides us and teaches us about how to, to engage people with the love of Jesus as they share struggles and suffering, things that are too hard for a person to bear, a family crisis, an ongoing sin that just continues to grip and cripple a believer. This passage, it, it identifies two things for us. As we get going, there's two really things that are, are driving what Paul is saying here. The first is that everyone carries burdens. 
Everyone carries burdens, and they're too heavy for us to bear by ourselves. And the second is that the Christian community is responsible to care for one another and to bear those burdens. We're called and commanded in this passage to move towards one another in love, to bear one another's burdens. This is the ministry of life together. In verse 1, Paul talks about a situational uh, ministry. If anyone's caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. There's two commands. The work of restoring someone who has fallen into sin, been caught, has this idea of being surprised. Maybe there's a progression and all of a sudden something happens and they're surprised. Well, I don't know how I got here. I don't know how this happened. Or someone identifies a sin and they, they were unaware of something going on in their life. Paul says, you who are walking by the Spirit, restore this person in a spirit of gentleness. This is a situation, case by case, and Paul is probably referring to specific situations that he was hearing about in the churches uh, in Galatia. But Verse 2 is really where I want to hone in because verse 2 is, is more broader. It, it's really referring to all of our life together. As we engage one another and cultivate life together and inhabit life together, we want to be a people that are bearing one another's burdens. We want to be a people that are moving towards the brokenhearted in faith, in love, in humility. You can do this through presence. As someone voices a struggle, you might not have any experience with this struggle, but you can simply affirm with your presence. That, that sounds hard. I imagine that that hurts. I'm so sorry that happened to you. Hey, you're not alone. I'm with you in this. Simply affirm with your presence, your physical presence. You're leaning in. You can bear one another's burdens and move towards one another in love as you process. You ask questions that draw out the heart, and you're inviting someone to pour out their soul. And if you've ever had that experience where you're burdened by some type of struggle or suffering, you know how like, helpful and caring that can be. When, when someone is inviting you to give voice to what's happening inside that you can't seem to figure out. You can bear burdens by praying. It's simple. Presence, processing, and prayer. We move towards one another in love to bear each other's burdens and so fulfill the law of Jesus. To bear, it goes further than just a moving towards one another. It literally, as we move towards one another with our spiritual, emotional, physical energies, we, we, we take on some of the weight that a person is struggling with. We take on the, the weight of a suffering that someone is enduring. I don't know if you've ever worked out with a sandbag. Anybody? Sandbags? 
Yeah, it, like it's really just a bag with sand. That's all it is. Um, but they're heavy. And a burden is, is kind of like a sandbag where like you're, you're, you're carrying this big bulky sandbag through your life. And there's no way you're going to make it through. And as a brother and a sister move towards you in love, they're literally saying, hey, let me hold that for you for a little bit. Let me, let me take that from you so that you can rest. You can catch your breath. You can realize and remember that you're not alone in this, that I'm with you. And a burden requires a team of people doing this. But what are burdens? We've given a little bit of kind of an explanation, but a burden is anything that is overwhelming and too hard for you to bear. It's something that is weighing you down. It might look like ongoing sin, just this sin cycle that you seem to be caught up in. Maybe it's exploding in anger at people or talking about others behind their backs and giving yourself to gossip, and and you don't know why you keep doing it. It could be a burden. Maybe it's uh, just like being overwhelmed by a season of life. Can we not all relate to that right now, right? Life is just so stressful and so hard that whenever we're met with anxiety or fear, it just, it becomes weighing down a burden, a family crisis. It could be sickness. And what we're invited to do in this passage and in our community together is to give voice to these things and to share This has been hard. I'm not okay. And to trust that we're going to be met by people that we trust, that love us, and they're going to move towards us in care and in love. Everyone has burdens in a broken world. And all of us need each other to walk in obedience and faith. Now, to really grab hold of this reality, everyone has burdens in this broken world. To really, really grab onto this reality and accept what Paul is implying here in this passage, it requires humility. It requires humility to deny two lies the lie of self-sufficiency, and the lie of self-contempt. What is required here to really accept we all have burdens. You have burdens, I have burdens, and they're too much for me to bear. They're too much for you to bear. Accepting this, it requires humility that will deny lies that we tend to believe. The lie of self-sufficiency says, I don't need help. I'm okay. I don't need to voice this to other people. I'm just going to stuff it down and keep white knuckle in it. And Paul addresses this in verse 3. He says, for if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. And I'd argue that a self-sufficient person is a person detached from their own needs. 
They've detached themselves from the reality that they actually need brothers and sisters in their life. And what happens is because we are embodied spirits, what happens is this this comes up. It affects our lives. When we just detach ourselves from our heart, we still feel it, but we just are denying that it's there. And we think that we can white-knuckle it. Maybe you're a caregiver, and you care for everyone in your life except yourself. And, And you're detached from your own neediness. Maybe you're successful. Everything you touch turns to gold. You're just awesome, right? You all know these people. We grew up with them. They're here. They're just really successful. And that person can very easily be like, whoa, like, I don't struggle with that. I've never had to go through that. Maybe, like, I probably don't need this. And humility in coming under the word is recognizing that we all have burdens that are too heavy for us to bear. But this humility also helps us deny the lie of self-contempt. And this lie says, I don't deserve care. I'm unworthy of care. I don't, and, it, and it comes out in, like, I don't want to bother them. I don't want to burden them, like pun intended there. I don't want to burden them. I, I, if I voice this, you know, they, they just shared here, like, and I don't want to, I don't want to steal the, the limelight and take attention off of this person. But all we have to do is look to the cross. As you, as you battle against the lie of self-contempt, you look to the cross and see the love of God that Jesus gave his life up willingly to secure your salvation as beloved sons and beloved daughters. And this means that you are valuable to the heart of God. And that also means that you're valuable to the church community. And as you humbly accept that you have burdens that you can't carry alone, you deny the lie that you're bothering someone and you voice your need. What are your burdens? What are you carrying that's too heavy for you to bear? This is is why I would really encourage you to think about joining a D group. Because a D group is creating a space for us to voice these these struggles, these sufferings. I mean, it's not going to be like week one, we're like all sharing stuff, right? There's There's a period of trust but a D group, a gospel community, maybe it's just friends that you share a meal with on a regular basis. We want to find a space where we can be honest about what's burdening us. One of the things that I am responsible for here at Mosaic is a class called Passage. And this is a class where we're really trying to train people in what it looks like to work towards emotional health and emotional healing in a spiritual formation context. And one of our groups, this last class, was a group of men, and they were probably around like three, four weeks in, and they were all giving voice to their struggles and their unique sufferings. And uh, they were all kind of, there was just kind of like this theme, and the leader just 
kind of in out of nowhere asked a question. And he said, how do you think everyone else is doing when they come to church on Sunday? And these guys all kind of went around and pretty much just said, well, I think everyone else is doing great. I'm the one that's struggling. Like, I, I feel like an outlier. I feel like the black sheep. They all seem like they're doing great. They tell me they're doing great. And then at one point, someone in the group said, what do you think? And he said, you know, I, I think that we're a lot more, uh, that all of us are a lot more jacked up than we believe. Because I've been doing this long enough to hear group after group after group say the same thing. That they think they're the only ones struggling, the only ones with burdens too heavy for them to bear. And they feel shame about it. They feel uh, fears about it. So even as we gather this morning, all of us, we carry in our discouragement. We carry in our fears. We carry in our pain. And every time we gather on Sunday, in groups, in men's and women's Bible study, in a D group, there's an opportunity for us to move towards one another in love to bear one another's burdens, and to love one another. And the more that we share burdens with each other, the closer we become. And we realize that we're not alone, that we have support and have a team. And we have to say it, the work of cultivation, putting yourself out there and asking questions and digging into people's life, it's scary. And this fear is real because this ministry is vulnerable. It's vulnerable to the caregiver and the care receiver. Paul says in verse 1, he he stresses that the one who would restore a person caught in sin should do so in a spirit of gentleness. And then he warns, keep watch on yourself lest you too be tempted. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Paul is stressing. Check yourself. Be careful. This ministry is vulnerable. The person giving care is is vulnerable to begin to be puffed up, to to become arrogant, and to think, I'm good. I'm the one giving care. And Paul says, Always be on your guard. Walk in humility. Walk by the Spirit. And walk clinging tightly to the grace of God. He's so concerned with the hearts of people giving care. Because he knows that the person receiving care is vulnerable too. We all know this. When you voice a struggle, there's, there's a part of us that's like, oh no, what did I just do? What are they going to say? I mean, it's scary. We trust, we build trust, and we forgive. And some of you, it's even scarier because you voiced something that was really, really hard. Maybe you voiced something that you had never told anyone, and it was dismissed. Or you were placated by some kind of spiritual niceties. And you, and, and you, you, you hesitate with this type of thing. I don't want to voice and put myself out there again. What if I'm dismissed? 
And so, like, if, if this ministry is filled with vulnerabilities, then why would we do it? Why, why would we participate in a ministry that's scary and filled with vulnerabilities? Because as we put ourselves out there, as we move towards one another in love, we do so as an act of obedience and faith. And we receive the gift of the goodness of God in community. And we find healing and we find connection, we find life. And that's what we're after. As we bear one another's burdens, we entrust our hearts to God and to one another in this ministry, and we seek the Spirit's wisdom. Because a community that's crippled by fear is a community that suffers alone. And the Bible's way of life together is bearing one another's burdens by the power of the Spirit with an attitude of humility, tenderness, and responsibility. And that when we do this, the result is that we fulfill the law of Christ. You might, that, that phrase is, it, it creates questions. Wait, I thought Paul was against the law. I thought Paul was trying to distinguish the gospel of grace from the law. So just briefly, there's, there's two different laws in the letter to the Galatians. There is the law of Moses and the law of Christ. And the law of Moses is what Paul is distinguishing from the gospel, that you're justified by faith alone, not by works of the law. He's referring to the law of Moses. And this was a law that was given to the people of Israel after they were delivered from slavery. And it set them apart from other nations in their time. It made them holy. It distinguished them as Yahweh's people, and it provided a way of worship and obedience to God, allegiance to God, and it provided forgiveness, but it was a forgiveness that had to be repeated as an Israelite brought sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice, and this is what distinguishes the gospel from the law, is that the sacrifice of Jesus was given once for all. And as we attach ourselves to Christ, his sacrifice is then transferred to us. And that we stand on the foundation of Christ and his righteousness before God. And so the fulfilling of the law of Christ is from a place of security and acceptance with God. It's a fulfillment of this law that's been established by Jesus. And it, it really is, is his teaching, his work, and the law of Christ is then carried out by God's people through the power of the Spirit. And one of the places where we see just a really good summary of the law of Christ is in John 13 when Jesus gives this new commandment. He teaches his disciples, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you, love one another. The fulfillment is the expression of receiving God's love for ourselves. The fulfillment is both our acceptance and receiving and ongoing receiving of God's love, 
and then extending it to others as we move towards one another in love, as we move towards the brokenhearted, as we bear one another's burdens, we are really giving display and witness to the love of God. And this happens as we do that. We move towards one another in partnership with the Holy Spirit. But we must always be aware of the tension between our role in this ministry and God's role. The role of God's people is to come alongside one another and bear burdens, but we can't take burdens from people. If someone voices a struggle, I can't say, hey, let me take that struggle from you. I'll, I'll take that sandbag home, and, or, or maybe, better yet, why don't I just take the sandbag and I'll follow you around through your day, and I'll help you make decisions. Like, right, this, this is not our role. Our role is to come alongside, to affirm with presence, to help process, and to pray, and then entrust them to the Lord to release them to the Lord. And as you do that, you give them the opportunity to learn what it looks like to depend on the sufficiency of Jesus in suffering. You, you, you give them the opportunity to grow in their faith and to endure and to seek out other support systems. Because each of us is responsible for our own lives. Paul, Paul, he sets this boundary in verses four and five. He helps us understand, move towards one another in love, but don't take a burden from a brother or a sister because you're responsible for your own life. Verses four and five, but let each one test his own work and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor for each will have to bear his own load. And there's a comparison between burden and load. We have burdens that are too heavy for us to bear, and we need to share those and voice those with others. And brothers and sisters need to minister and move towards and bear one another's burdens. But there's a line. There's a line that you can cross. And that line is recognizing that you have a load to bear which is your personal life, your responsibilities, your job, your home, your relationships. And what the line is really getting at is this reality that if you are trying to care in a way that's hindering from your own responsibilities, it's hindering your relationships that God has entrusted to you, you've gone too far. That's the litmus test. The litmus test is if your ministry to a brother or a sister is preventing you from carrying your own load, you've crossed the line. Because you're not responsible for how a brother or a sister carries a burden. You're not responsible for how they respond to a burden or to the call of God on their life or to the truth that's shared with them. You're responsible. And and that all that's in your, con your control is your life. And yet, we very easily move into trying to control people closest to us because we've taken on their burden. We've taken their burden from them. Paul says, examine and test the way you're living so that your boasting is in your faithfulness, not someone else. 
some of us need to learn the, the, the moving. Maybe when something's voiced in community, a struggle or a suffering, you, you might kind of lean back, go, whoa, what is that? I'm not touching that. Some of us need to learn to move towards one another in love and to do the hard work of giving yourself to the bearing of burdens because this is the way of cultivating life together. This is the way that we build fellowship and love and community. But some of you need to learn this move of entrusting a person to the Lord. Some of you might be tempted to take someone's burden, to take responsibility for people in your life who are suffering or struggling. And what Paul is trying to help us understand is there's a healthy way to give yourself to a ministry of bearing one another's burdens. There's a healthy way of moving towards one another in love and blessing and serving and affirming and caring for people. But you can go too far. There's a line. And part of honoring that line is reflecting and testing your own life and commitment to your own responsibilities. And so as we embark in this journey of continuing to cultivate life together, we really want to remember that Christ is glorified in the way that we treat one another. The movement towards one another in love, it, it glorifies and honors the Lord. It magnifies the Lord, like the song we just sang. It gives him glory. It gives him glory as we move towards a brother or sister who's struggling. And it gives him glory as we end the conversation and entrust them to the Lord. I want to close with um, just, I want to read you something I read this week, uh, we, we got a letter from a woman at our church, and she wrote um, this note just as a, an expression of gratitude for her time at Mosaic in ways that this church has cared for her. And I thought it was really fitting for life together in general, but especially this, this sermon here. She said this, over the past few years, as I've attended and joined in membership at Mosaic, I've experienced a sense of home that is foreign and disarming for me. I say disarming because it has brought about an awareness of need that had been buried and was dealt with gently and in truth. I did not think, I did not think could apply to me. There are very few times in my memory when I exposed my need, emptiness, struggles, and vulnerabilities, and there was a movement toward me rather than away. Such an encouraging thing to hear from a member of our church. And so we see this ministry of bearing one another's burdens. But we want to see it more and more. We want to meet each other in our pain and bless, and love, and care, and glorify Christ together as we cultivate life together. Let's pray. Jesus, 
we love you. And we affirm together in this place that you're alive. That you are the risen Lord enthroned in heaven and you're aware of what's happening in this room. You're aware of your people. And I thank you for the way that you have guided us and taught us through the word. Would you equip us with more of your spirit, more of your wisdom as we try and move towards one another in love and care for one another so that we could be just a demonstration of your love to our city. I pray that that testimony would shine brightly in our city and that you would bless the fellowship of Mosaic Church. We love you and we pray all this in your name and by the power of the Spirit. Amen.